0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: You're listening to the Stolen Goodbyes podcast with me, Karen Rice. This is a unique space that gives a voice to people who lost loved ones to the COVID-19 pandemic. Lost to COVID-19 is a grief like no other. No warning, no goodbye, no funeral, grief in isolation. They were robbed, not just of the person, but of everything that goes with the death. The bereaved still question, how did this virus come into our lives? Because there is no goodbye, their death doesn't seem real they still expect them to walk through the door that they're watching a film of somebody else's life. This podcast is also a space to remember and celebrate just how amazing, funny and special these ordinary yet extraordinary people were. today by people who lost their loved ones to covid-19 in the first wave of the pandemic in 2020 at the current time of speaking Boris Johnson is refusing to say whether he'll resign if he's fined by the police over partygate that is him breaking covid-19 lockdown rules that he made himself it's easy to lose count because there's so many parties but among them were socially distanced drinks on May the 20th, 2020, where people were told to bring their own booze. Boris dropped in for 25 minutes and that was during full national lockdown. There were drinks for his birthday on June the 19th. That's when people were not allowed to gather indoors. And then again, there was a Christmas party on December the 18th where people wore Christmas jumpers, and they were told to bring secret Santa presents. That was also in violation of the lockdown. First of all, Boris Johnson said that all guidance was followed at number 10. Then it turned into, I did attend, but it was a work event and nobody told me that it was against the rules. That then turned into, I was only there for 10 minutes. Can I turn to Carol, can I turn to you first? That May
2: 20th party. What have you got to say about that? I, I can really repeat on here how I really feel. However, um, you know, it was hard enough trying to arrange a funeral for my mum as it was because everything was so backlogged and then not being able to have that, as I said, that dignified ending. Um, it meant that we we had the funeral literally the day before and I was there with like, the six of us all together we weren't allowed to touch the coffin we i had the 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 people from you know the funeral directors saying no 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 don't go near don't go near you've got to stay away stay away that's my mom i want i want to you know let her feel i'm here no 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 you mustn't and they took her into the church and that was that was it and then i've got you know my, my two daughters behind me sitting sobbing their hearts out we can't comfort each other and there should have been, instead of six people, there should have been 60 people there. We go home, no wake, no nothing. I've still not laid my mom to rest, still haven't. And I can't face it at the moment, but yet the next day they're all out there partying, giving the drinks and yay, life goes on. You know, we're all doing a great job. What great job did they do? In terms of the
1: detail, I mean, there were more than 40 people at that May 20th gathering. Yeah. Um, Boris Johnson dropped in for allegedly 25 minutes and there was white wine, there was gin, you know, loads of booze. Um, How does that sit with what you've just said about the fact you couldn't be anywhere near? I mean, you couldn't see your mother, is that correct? It's absolutely
2: despicable. It's disgraceful. And as a prime minister, I'm sorry, but he shouldn't be in power. He should not be there. He should be held to account for what he's done and you know i I just feel that like sally said quite quite rightly it's as almost as if our loved ones don't matter they don't matter as long as they're all having their i'm all right jack and i'm having a few drinks yeah let's uh, what were they celebrating you know we all had to still work hard even though our loved ones have died we still have to carry on with our lives but they're partying away and and oh i would have liked to have been able to sort of have that wake for my mom and have that celebration of life with my family and have a few glasses of wine and enjoy ourselves and celebrate celebrate her her life because that's what she wanted we couldn't do any of that but it's okay for them one rule for one and one
1: rule for them and you felt robbed not just of obviously your mother but robbed of everything to do with the death
2: absolutely absolutely we couldn't see her couldn't dress her I even asked for a lock of her hair and they said we're taking the coffin to the hospital and she's going in the coffin and you can't see her and you imagine how devastating that is to not be able to you know I want a lock of her hair I had a lock of my grandmother's hair and I wanted one of hers so that I had something I've even had to raid her hairbrush from when she was alive
1: yeah hugely difficult
2: sorry but i had to raid a hairbrush so i had something of hers two years down the line it's still like this and it never goes away and i i'm just devastated at the fact we're never going to get over this and we're just left to the side and nobody seems to be really bothered and like you say no no memorial we can't do anything and you know, they, they just robbed us literally of everything to do. I had things I wanted to put in the coffin with her. We couldn't, I don't even know if it was her in there. How do I know that was her in there? I've got no idea, but no idea. Is she still out there somewhere? You know, I mean, I know she's not, but my irrational side thinks, well, how do I know that was her? That I, How do I know it's her ashes I've got? I don't. Because there was just nothing personal about anything, you know, um, and yeah fortunately I've managed to get her hair preserved but I shouldn't have to do things like that you know um, she had beautiful clothes that just got left where we bought them only like a few weeks before I wanted to put her in something like that no wouldn't even open the coffin, wouldn't do anything and then they're at partying the next day, well good for you Boris, that's how I feel, I'm sorry but that's how I feel absolute disgrace
1: the party on May the 20th 2020 Eileen your mother Anna that was the last night alive is that correct that's correct yep how do you feel about the fact that uh, that party took place when your mother was dying and that was the bring your own booze uh, party attended by more than 40 people
3: Mm -hmm. Well, I feel absolutely horrified because I couldn't be with my mum when she was dying or after she died because there were only two nominated people allowed in at end-of-life care and that was my sister and my dad. So I couldn't even see my mum, never mind being in the presence of uh, 40 people. Um, So, yeah, I feel really bitter and angry that they could do that. Um, and think that was okay I'm probably never thinking for one minute that they would be discovered and I'm sure they would never have owned up to it at any point so it's just arrogance beyond belief arrogance
1: absolutely and Lindsay what was happening in your world on May the 20th um, well
4: on the 20th of May I can show you my father's funeral information 20th of May Quarter past two, uh, we were stood outside my house with us, myself, my husband, and three boys. weren't allowed to have anyone in the house while my father was in a hearse outside. Um, only nine family were allowed to go to the crematorium. Um, I had to choose who I invited, and uh, much to the dismay of so many people. Um, because we were only allowed nine, plus the minister. So that, that's all that was allowed in the crematorium on that day. Um, there was, the people came and socially distanced outside the house and lined the streets and clapped as we left, which was still now so surreal. But people wanted to pay their respects to him, but weren't allowed to do the traditional uh, sort of send-off. We didn't have a wake we kind of all went to the crematorium. We had a small service. Um, I wasn't allowed to touch the coffin or put anything on the coffin. We weren't allowed to give him a suit to wear. Um, so I don't really, I didn't see him in the coffin. So, I, you know, it's kind of almost an unclosed chapter because we didn't see him at the end. Um, I couldn't, my brother and I sobbed outside the crematorium. Um I couldn't comfort him um, or any of the family members. And then we just went on and closed the door and kind of just had to get on with it. Uh, while they had 40 people having a party in a garden, we couldn't have any of our loved ones there. I couldn't have my mother with me. Um, we had to leave my and my at the time was 16. Um, we had to leave him with the two younger children. Um, and he found it quite a difficult day as well because we were actually planning. My father was moving in with us, um, and there was a flat being built on our house. So the boys were kind of gearing up to to support him with his um, because he had Parkinson's disease. They were really excited for him to come and live with us. So even though he was only their step granddad, he was part of our lives. And um, we had to leave the. And I found out a few months later that sort of the sixteen year old got really upset, and and we just we had to leave him. We had to leave him to look after the younger children on the day of the funeral because we couldn't have any, either grand, grandparent, couldn't be in the grandmother, couldn't be in the house to look after them because they weren't allowed. We were following the rules. The rules we were told, you know, we weren't allowed to break those rules. So yeah. on one of the hardest days of my life, it was just surreal. So you
1: went through all of that, uh, hardest day of your life, and people in charge at Downing Street were basically getting pissed.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just infuriating and disrespectful. And, and I know the, at the time, um, I mean, the local funeral directors were inundated. They couldn't cremate or bury people quick enough. There was, it was weeks and weeks and weeks before funerals were taking place because there was hundreds of people dying of this disease, which we were told we weren't allowed to mix, we weren't allowed to have family members, loved ones in our houses, and yet they were having parties. I mean, it's just it beggar's belief. Absolutely beggar's belief how disrespectful and how disposable these people's lives seem to be.
3: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, do you want to say something on that, Eileen?
3: No, I, I just agree uh, with with Lindsay that those people were were just disposable. They the, the really didn't matter. Um, they didn't care. They they really didn't care that we were all suffering. Just th- what they wanted to do was far more important. They found themselves above the rules that they would apply to us the rules, but not to the likes of those people, those privileged people. They didn't have to abide by those Those same rules as us, the minions. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I just think it's dreadful. How do you feel about Freedom Day? Um, Freedom Day. Well, I'm still really um, wary about everything I do. I still wear masks. um, I still test myself almost every day. I still sanitise. I've only had my daughter and her partner in my house in the last two years no one else, and the only reason I've had them is because they both got COVID and I felt they were a safe bet to come into my house because you can't really get it again within 90 days allegedly, round about that, so I've only had two people in my house, so Freedom Day to me is nothing, it's away in the distance to me, any sort of Freedom Day Uh, yeah
1: Lindsay, how do you feel about freedom's supposed Freedom Day?
3: Um
4: I think it's, it's slightly different in Wales. Um, I don't think the 20th is a complete cut-off point. It's, I think a lot of people are kind of already there, if I'm completely honest. Um, for us, I think, because we've got our, sort of an 18-year-old, 15-year-old, 6-year-old, they've missed out on so much um, for the last two years, just life experiences. I think I'll still be wearing a mask um, as required, um, If I feel like I want to in an area where it's particularly busy, I will continue to wear one. If I'm with someone vulnerable, I will. And, you know, I said, if my father had survived and was living with us, I still would be to protect him. I'll do what I can to protect the vulnerable. Um, But we are trying to live our lives as best we can now, provide our children with the experiences that they've missed out on for the last two years. So it's kind of, I don't think it's a big thing to celebrate or to shout about. I think it's just... It's just another day in the calendar for a lot of people. Um what do you do you have any views about the timing of
1: of what he's doing?
4: Um, I think he's just kind of <laughs> he's trying to mask what has watching. what has become what has become apparent with the parties. I think he's just doing it to kind of try and save his skin one more time. Um and just to um make us look the other way, perhaps.
1: Is there freedom from your what you've gone through, from your grief?
3: No, not for me. Definitely not for me because, as I said before, I'm left looking after a 97-year-old vulnerable man. So there's no freedom for me whatsoever because I still have to take every precaution to avoid contracting COVID and passing it on to him to save me going through what I already went through two years ago. So there is no freedom for me. I have to think twice about everywhere I go and everything I do because of that very reason.
1: I mean, it's a political slogan, but it's a particularly insensitive one for people who have lost loved ones to COVID-19.
3: Yeah, you mean Freedom Day, that slogan? I mean... Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's um, almost like, let's forget about it now. Yeah. Let's forget about it. And let's just, uh, the people who have not been affected, let's carry on. With our lives and forget all those people who have suffered horrendously over the last two years. I think that's what they want to do, forget about it.
4: Yeah, and it's good, great for everyone who can do that. And people deserve to live their lives. People, all of us deserve to live the lives we, we want. Um, but I think there's so much damage being done in the wake mm. of the pandemic and being left un, unaccounted and accounted for there's you know um for me I will we will go out we will try and enjoy the freedoms that we haven't had for the last two years but for me what I'll never be free from the the trauma just the trauma of of um how it all played out and the terrible way my father died um the the complete lack of tradition the complete lack of respect that he received as in a proper send-off and the, ch- the grandchildren being able to see him one last time and them not having the, the best memories to, to end with. Um, and me, I, I'll never, ever know what he was thinking when he was in hospital. And, I mean, I just hope he knows that I loved him dearly but I'll never know if he understood why I wasn't there. And that will never leave me. And the only way I can function is just by, I have to put it in a box. I have to just tuck it in because I've got a young child who needs me. to be well. But, but so I've just got to kind of not think about it. If I allowed myself to think about it every day, it would be a disaster. I wouldn't be able to function as a mother or a wife or an employee or anything. But the, the, I don't know if he'll ever know or understand why I wasn't there, because he was he was so unwell at the time, and and I was his main carer. I saw him every day. I spoke to him four times a day. It went from that to me not speaking to him at all, because at one point they even stopped me phoning the hospital and said, "Oh, we're too busy. We'll ring you." So I wasn't even speaking to him then. So it's just I'll never. I've got to live with that for the rest of my life if he understood why I wasn't there. I mean, obviously
1: none of it is easy, but is that the sort of worst bit of the trauma sort of anguish that you've felt? I think
4: so. Yeah, I think so. Um, Just that I never... And then at the end, I, I was one of the fortunate ones that was able to be at the hospital when he was on end-of-life care, but he was already more or less unconscious, so I don't even know then if he knew that I was, was there. And, and i wasn't there when he died, because I was only allowed to go every other day, and I was only allowed to be there for forty forty to fifty minutes at a time and I, and i I wasn't there when he went he was on his own and I, i'll never I'll never be able to fully forgive myself for not being there, even though he was out of my control i'll just i 'll just never i'll never know if he if he understood why and it wasn't my choice not to be there mm.
1: Party then, gate, um, how, what was happening in
0: your world when? had well, died by then and I was just left alone, just alone because we would had to isolate because he had had Covid here, then he died and I had to go to the hospital to get the few effects that they would let me bring home, they lost his wedding ring, I had to go back and almost searched for his wedding ring myself um, and we were again in isolation because I had been into the to the hospital into the Covid ward and I was just completely alone no help nothing alone and I quite agree with Carol because of course when Goff's father died Goff was very worried that his father hadn't been shaved when he was in hospital and he asked the funeral director to, to shave his father before his father was cremated. And I was absolutely obsessed with the fact that Goff may have grown a beard or have been unshaven. And obviously I couldn't see him. I, I didn't know. I don't know. Even to this day, I presume he was put in a coffin at the hospital in the hospital gown he was in. I have no idea because I couldn't see him. And like Carol, sometimes I think perhaps it's a lie, perhaps there was somebody else, perhaps perhaps they've made a mistake, perhaps he will come home, but he won't, will he? He's gone. And you chose
1: to have an unaccompanied funer- funeral, is that correct, Jane?
0: Yes, I did, because um, we have a 26-year-old son and I knew that Matthew would be breaking his heart about his father and I wouldn't be able to comfort him in the crematorium. I knew that they would not let me touch Matthew because we would have to stand six feet apart and I simply could not do that to Matthew and so Goff went to his cremation without anybody he knew with him and that was just awful and in fact because the funeral directors were so busy, there was some time afterwards that we weren't even certain whether we would get his ashes back. We have them back now. But all that trauma and all that was going on while Boris was in his garden drinking his alcohol.
1: And of course, I mean, obviously, what you've just related is uh, difficult to listen to, never mind to go through. Mm-hmm. and yet you know there were birthday drinks for Boris Johnson there were more than 30 people yeah. Yeah. Uh, invited to that bash
0: it would have been just about that time that I was trying to find out where God's ashes were and literally ringing around wondering where my husband's ashes were um, and not even knowing whether I would even get his ashes back let alone anything else and Boris couldn't have cared less could he Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Sally,
1: party gate. I mean, you lost Trevor. Yeah. Um for me he'd already I'd already
5: lost Trevor. Um he died on the 14th of April. And um I had to wait 3 weeks I think it was before I could have his funeral. They were so backed up. Um I mean, for me, the last time I physically saw my husband was the day he was taken in the ambulance. And I never even got to give him a kiss or a cuddle goodbye then. It was literally, they was marching him out and got him to the ambulance. It was only because he just turned around to wave to me as he was just trying to get in the ambulance because we thought he would be coming home. Um, When he got into the hospital, they said he, you know he'd perked up because he'd got the oxygen and we hoped that that would have done it. Um, but by then then they did a COVID test and he was positive. And then within six days I'd lost him. Um, he did fight quite hard, but I, I knew, um, I was fearing it as soon as he went in the hospital really. So obviously for me, it was only four months that we had married. Um, and my world had completely shattered. And um, trying to arrange his funeral when I'd only just finished doing our wedding, Um, and knowing I couldn't give him what I wanted to give him, I gave him everything that I could possibly give him. And that was having to change the funeral directors as well, because the first ones wasn't gonna allow me a horse and carriage. And the first ones wasn't going to dress my husband um, and I didn't want him to be treated like a bit of rubbish. He wasn't. He's my husband and the love of my life that I've got to live without for the rest of my life. So I got an independent undertakers. They assured me that they dressed him. They allowed us to put things into the coffin. They did it for us, but they allowed us to put things in there. But I never got to see him. Um, because he wasn't allowed to be embalmed or anything like that so it was a closed coffin I was allowed to sit with the coffin because it was a a booked appointment time to just sit with him Um, but I I don't know that um, it was him in there and for a long time I was just to sit out sit in front room and look out the window and hoping he was going to walk through the door because I thought well he's going to turn up because I just couldn't I couldn't realize that he'd gone, but I had to go to the hospital a week after he died to get his his wallet and his phone and his rings that he would never be without. So that told me he wasn't here anymore. Um, and then because it was in lockdown, when it all happened, uh, I was alone because I have no children. My family, uh, my mum and dad are in their 80s, so they was isolated from me from March. Um, They wasn't allowed to come to his funeral and they wasn't allowed to comfort their youngest daughter in the worst circumstances ever. So that's hard for my parents to have to sit and watch on a web online thing of my husband's funeral and me standing there giving his his talk, Um, I was only allowed 10 people. Obviously I couldn't have a wake for him either. And he deserved everything. But where there was no cars to be had, I had to get a lift um, of somebody. Um, And obviously I was then alone after that as well. So for the whole year, I lived alone. And I relied on WhatsApp to talk to my family and friends and the telephone because I was beside myself. You know, I don't know how I managed to get through it. Personally, I don't, but I just had to keep fighting and I knew there was other people out there suffering like me. So that's why I set up my widow grief um, support group because I needed something for me. And then to find out that he's had this party all the time, I'm struggling with the loss of my future, my life, that I'd just planned out and we had so many plans in place. And I've lost all of that. I've lost my husband. I'm never going to get him back. I can never get his last moments back because I wasn't allowed in there. Couldn't hold his hand and he was scared. And all I have, the haunting memory I have, is the one where he's walking to the ambulance and the one where I'm on the video saying goodbye and I could see a tear rolling down his face, but he was unconscious. And then uh, when they took him to put him on the ventilator, I had been speaking to my husband by WhatsApp or just sending him voice messages. And And when they told me that they were taking him down, I said, can I speak to him? I want to speak to him. And they said he didn't want to speak to me, but I can't believe that that happened. So I was robbed of a last conversation with my husband They also tried to tell me to put a DNR in place. And I went, no, you're not giving up on my husband. I don't want you to. And they said, yeah, but it's going to do this. It's going to do that. I went, you need to do everything possible. And eventually they did, but he, he obviously didn't survive. So, But to learn that Boris has done all of this is just so disrespectful. It's made a mockery of my husband's life entirety as if he hasn't existed and he's not worthy of even a respect, the fact that he's lost his life for him to live, for him to have a party. Um, And I've also lost mine because I've now got to live a different life, a half a life for the rest of it. And so I've also given him my half of my life as well so he can have a party and think, great, you know, I survived COVID because he supposedly had COVID and was on the ward and was on a gas mask and everything. Well, if you really suffered with that, if you really suffered with that, like our beloveds, then how can you have done what you've done to all of us? You've just just disregarded everybody, all of the people that lost their lives and all of us left mourning. And even now, we're we're nothing now because it's two years down the line and we're thought of, well, we should be over it by now. You should move on. It's, it's done. It's dusted. You know, I just think it's appalling. And I think he should be held accountable. As, as it's just him. It's other people that work with him. But he should be held accountable for everything.
1: As you said, life has gone on for him. I mean, he's in that time has gone on to, you know, father more children, get married. Yeah. He's, yeah. living
5: He's, got his He's got a lovely wife. I got married and where's my husband? <laughs> in an urn in front of me. Because <laughs> I can't have him anywhere else and he didn't want that either. We did have a conversation just before when we was watching the lorries of the dead bodies in Italy coming through the town. We had that conversation like, if anything was to happen, you know, I don't want to go without you, vice versa. And he said, yeah, you keep my ashes until you go and I'll keep yours till I go. (laughs) So I've I've managed to keep that at least for what my husband wanted, but I haven't been able to do anything else.
6: Thank you, Sally. Debbie, uh, Partygate. You wrote the rules, you met with cabinet members. How could you not know what your own rules are. I've had people in my support group say they may as well have just gone out and danced on their graves. How do you feel about Freedom Day? I don't understand why they're calling it Freedom Day. Because there's no freedom. We're not be free of our grief. We are not free of our grief. Why is it Freedom Day? What's there to celebrate? other than a catastrophic handling of a pandemic, thousands and thousands of people dead. That it should be a more somber tone. It should be a moment to remember the sacrifices that the electorate have made, because believe me, come the election, we're not gonna forget about this. Sooner or later, there's gonna be an election and i'm sorry but god help the tory party okay thank you has anybody else got something to say about freedom day
5: yeah i will sally yeah um well it's not freedom is it i mean we've not been in prison nobody's been put in prison but for the lucky people that wasn't touched by COVID, yeah, I can see for them it would be freedom for them. But it's not freedom for all of us that have been robbed of somebody or even touched by COVID that are left in pain, left with ailments and constant problems, health problems. We're not free of it. We've got to live with the loss and we've all got to live with the illness that we've now got that they don't know that we'll ever get rid of if we'll get better from personally i haven't stopped being ill since i've got long covid um so it's not going to be freedom for all of us so he should really have more respect for everybody that has been touched by it in one way or another i understand not everyone has lost someone but covid has affected a lot of people some obviously not so bad and some very bad um but I think he should be making it more of um, a remembrance of we're going to try and get back to some form of normality without restrictions. But let's not forget for all of those people that have lost their lives, like it like it's been a war basically. You know they they do all of the memorial day for November, don't they? For everybody who fought in the war and stuff, and they lay wreaths down and everything. Why aren't they going to do something as, you know, poignant as that and make that the we're going back to normality for everybody that can. But this is these people gave their lives. They fought a war for us and they had no choice in it. They was just put on the front line. And I think that's what Freedom Day should be about, not actually people being free, because you're never going to be free of it. I don't think COVID is going to go away. It's not just, you know, it doesn't go on holiday. Like he used to let everybody have their Christmases and stuff. Or what It's not going to go on holiday for Christmas, is it? It didn't. People still died because he allowed people to spread everything. It's not going to go away.
1: Thanks so much for listening to these stories. They really matter to me and to the people telling them. Please tell your friends and family about this important corner of the internet and take a few moments to rate, review and subscribe to the Stolen Goodbyes podcast. Every listen counts.